It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello and welcome to this, the first of two special editions of the Political Party podcast from the Edinburgh Festival, dealing specifically with the Scottish referendum debate. This is the first one featuring Willie Black, uh, a local uh, legend in Edinburgh, uh, a member of the Solidarity Party with Tommy Sheridan. It was meant to be Tommy Sheridan who I had as a guest, uh, but sadly at very short notice he wasn't able to make it, so Willie ably stepped into his place. Uh, personally, I've tried to stay impartial during the debate, but I am uh, a supporter of the no side. I do want Scotland to stay in the UK. And um, I have to say, Willie is uh, a, a very poetic man and puts a very uh, emotional, but not, not, in a, not in a strong way, in a very gentle way, uh, in, in quite a poetic way, his view of how the world should be and how Scottish independence would help it. So here you go. This is uh, recorded at the Assembly Roxy just a few days ago. Uh, and this is Willie Black. Hello. Good evening. Um, well, first of all, uh, what a pleasure it is to be able to host uh, two special events at the Edinburgh Festival uh, right in the middle of the election campaign, the referendum campaign. This one uh, examining the yes side, and in two days' time I'll be examining the no side uh, with Jim Murphy. Uh, so we'll get both sides if you'd like to come to... Well, you're obviously out this one. Uh, if, you, if you'd like to come, if you don't want to leave this one, uh, and if you'd like to come to the one on Wednesday, we with Jim Murphy. Uh, I'd just like to get a, a sense of uh, the opinion in the room before we start. Uh, firstly, give me a cheer if you have a vote in the referendum. Yes! Okay, and a cheer if you don't? Yes! <laughs> they sound less happy. <laughs> give me a cheer if you'd like a vote in the referendum. Yes! Well, there you go, that's what I see. Well, that's good. Uh, of the first group, uh, so of the, of the people that do have a vote, uh, if you don't mind me asking, uh, give me a cheer if you would like Scotland to stay in the UK. Yes! And of the initial group, give me a cheer if you'd like Scotland to leave. Yes! <laughs> okay, I'd say that was 60-40 in favour of staying. Would that be a fair, yeah. rough, rough estimate? But I would say that the people who want to leave were more passionate. <laughs> and that may well be the final story of this referendum campaign. Um, by the way, of the people that couldn't have a vote... Um, Give me a cheer if you'd like Scotland to stay in the UK. Yay! And a cheer if you'd like Scotland to leave. Yay! Very brave. <laughs> I haven't got a vote. I don't live here. <laughs> but I want you lot to get the hell out. <laughs> that is, that's very brave indeed. Um, I, I, I want this to be a good-natured show. I do these in London, uh, political party shows, where I interview politicians from across the political spectrum. And I've interviewed Nigel Farage, uh, which... It was a man, obviously, who got barricaded inside a pub last time he came to this city. But it's slightly counterintuitive, given what his uh, tastes are. It's like locking the fat kid in the tuck shop. Uh, <laughs> I, think actually, I think he was actually quite happy. Um, but what's been incredible... Yeah, so I, I'm used to interviewing politicians from all over. Alistair Campbell, Jack Straw, uh, Lembit Opic, 
David Davis. So I want this to be good-natured because part of my problem with some of the referendum campaigns, I feel that in, in certain quarters, and I'm sure none of it's represented today, it's turned a little sour. And I would, you know, it's good to have political debate. I think we can all agree that the one great legacy of this referendum, regardless of the outcome, will be that it's politicised an entire generation of, of Scottish people of all ages and that it's been a thoroughly good debate. Um, and I hope we can all agree on that. Um, but I'll try and keep it as light-hearted as possible. I will open the floor as well to questions from, from the audience, so if you have a question, uh, put your hand up when, when the time comes and we'll come to you and you get your chance to, to ask it. Um, I have to say, as far as referendums go and election campaigns go, this has been a very long one. Uh, <laughs> from statute to uh, polling booth, it will be about 18 months to two years, which is an incredible long time for... A, I mean, if I haven't won an argument after an hour, I'll stop making shit up. <laughs> So the Lord only knows what you've had to put up with over the last uh, two years, claims and counterclaims from all sides. But uh, I'd like to start, uh, we should crack on. I've got a wonderful guest, Willie Black, who's a very famous man in Edinburgh. He's a stalwart of Edinburgh politics. He was the guy who, uh, you may well remember, and I saw this on the news at the time, heckled Ian Duncan Smith uh, when he came to Edinburgh last year and said, uh, get back to England where you belong, you ratbag. Uh, and sent him away with a flea in his ear. So he's an absolute legend. Please give a massive welcome to my guest this evening, Mr Willie Black. <laughs> Cheers, Please have a seat. Firstly, let's, let's start off with Ian Duncan Smith. That was... Uh, has anyone seen the video? It's brilliant. Go on YouTube if you haven't seen it and t- just type in Willie Black, Ian Duncan Smith and you'll see the... Uh, the man, well, the Secretary of State for Work and Pensions, taken down a peg or two. Uh, how did he take it? He was stunned. <laughs> he didn't expect us to be in the conference because it was all hand-picked. The only problem is, all the protesters outside, the police were looking outside. The problem is, we had booked a room. Uh, so we booked a room, and uh, we went for a, a, a power lunch. Uh, dinner, sorry, at night, and then... Um, in the morning, uh, we went for a power breakfast, <laughs> and the staff, and we, we actually had a guide dog, and uh, they loved the guide dog, and we never got billed for it. I don't know what <laughs> happened. But then uh, we went into the green room, and I had shortbread and coffee, and everybody else had a ticket, and I never had a ticket, but it didn't seem to worry them, because what happened is um, we walked in, and as soon as we walked in, we sat in different parts of the room. So that was two blind people, one with a guide dog, and me. So we ended up uh, halfway uh, in the room, sitting at a table. Actually got a, quite a lot of pens that day. And a um, piece of notepads that I'm still using. But anyway, what then happened is he stood up, and of course they welcomed him, and uh, I then stood up and thinking I was going to get I pulled down immediately. I kind of pushed my way into the middle of the room. Um, and then I gave him uh, what I, I had to give him, which was my verbal. And um, <laughs> the difficulty was then, I thought, I'm getting pulled down any minute. Please, pull me down any minute. I'm running out of steam. <laughs> and uh, it didn't happen. So I then left. And, of course, I, I, I made a mistake by calling for a clap. Nobody clapped. <laughs> so, of course, I turned to them and called them parasites. <laughs> and, and, and that was it. And, of course, then the police went, hey, hey well. Uh, Did you get nicked? Uh, no, no, I never got nicked. Uh, I got um, on every, be- on every um, TV station in the world, basically. 
So I never got nicked, and I've now got some kind of fame. <laughs> well, so that was deserved. it. Uh, as well as being a prominent local politician, a member of Solidarity and uh, you know, the Socialist Worker Party and uh, various campaigns against cuts, uh, you're also a local cab driver. Um, Taxi drivers aren't really well known for, for letting us have their opinion, so I think tonight is a real, uh, you know, your chance to put your side, uh, um, uh, Willie. Is it something that comes up in taxi journeys? Do you think I've got an opportunity here to try and turn people? Yeah, I mean, they get a bit puzzled when I park at the side of the road to just to give myself a little bit more room uh, to persuade them. But uh, as one of those um, independent journalists said, uh, coming from the airport to the, the one of the hotels, she said... Well, that's the first time it's ever been explained to me in 20 minutes. So I took that as some kind of compliment. But yeah, um, there is a lot of arguments you can have. Uh, it's a small city, so I, I do take the long route. Um, and that helps um, the economy of Edinburgh as well. So basically, that's, yeah, so you have lots and lots of good charts, and, and people are, agen- they, ask, they make the mistake by asking me the question. Um, so they start it. Yeah, yeah. I've had a few near misses. Um, well, turn around to try and <laughs> emphasise the point. Uh, but generally, yeah, they ask. Lots of people are asking from all over the world. And in general, the tone of it, not just in the taxi, but uh, in, the, in the campaign as well, uh, have you found it to be broadly civil and OK? Or have you had a few uh, hairier moments? It's Scotland. Um, <laughs> you would not expect that kind of uh, gentle uh, debate. But the, I think in general, the, the, the problem I think that we have is we have a, a consensus in Scotland which has really fueled the whole question of independence and whatever. And even the politicians who are calling for a no, and maybe you can ask uh, Jim Murphy what he thinks so... Um, See, I remember when Alistair Darling and I marched for gay rights. And hand in hand. Yes, well, <laughs> uh, I wasn't opposed to it, um, but just to be with the... the, the somebody said I, I, I always got the gay vote anyway from, because I had this moustache. But um, what then happened is that... Um, Alistair Darlin used to carry a banner. I have a picture. I'll maybe post it. It was where the banner had, when he was a councillor for Pilton, where I come from, and it had um, John McLean. John McLean was jailed during the First World War for, and was called for a Scottish Republic. And actually, on the banner was workers' control. And I think that Alistair Darlin's went away quite far for that banner. Uh, but nevertheless, I do think there's a consensus, yes and no, on the left of the no, for some kind of... And that will come out. If the yes goes as, as I think it's going to go, I think there will be a, a consensus for a different kind of Scotland for the one that we've been getting uh, imposed from Westminster. So when you say you think the yes is going to go, you think yes will win? Uh, yep. Because what's been interesting about... I mean, visibly, if you were to walk around Edinburgh and just, do it on a, on, and just count stickers and banners, I would completely agree. I haven't seen, I've seen one no poster in the whole time that I've been here, but I've seen yes everywhere. But when you look at the polling, the opinion polling seems to tell a different story and, and seems to show no consistently ahead. So is that just that people maybe... Have we got a 1992 situation on our hands where people aren't telling pollsters the, the true story, or maybe will, will it be the undecideds that still decide the election? No, I think the working class will decide the election. 
And I think that uh, in the estates, um, I, I haven't seen many posters down in Pilton, you know, knocking on the door and saying, what's your opinion? I don't know, maybe they're standing outside Waitrose or something like that. <laughs> but um, there's definitely um, something happening in the, the bottom of society. I remember watching a film um, called uh, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, and it was about um, Hugo Chavez, mm. and it was an excellent documentary. It was made by an Irish company who, who happened to be there at the time, and it was a coup, and everybody was in Parliament, and they were panicking uh, because the military had come in, they'd seized Chavez, they'd sent him away, uh, taken him away in a helicopter. It was all spectacular at, at night, lights and whatever. And the, the senators for the, for the left-wing parties were absolutely crapping themselves. And you saw them sitting in the corridors and they were shaking just a bit like I am now. And uh, just basically saying, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And somebody, one of the security people from the, from the party came over and says, don't worry, the people are coming. And a million people came to the gates. And mysteriously, Hugo Chavez that night was helicoptered back into the palace and the guy who had six months ago uh, previously had got a new sash made in Spain had to scurry out the country. So the people are, will come to the polls. It will be huge. This, this was not something that you'll say, this is boring, this is, I'm not turning out the night. So the more people come from the working class, the more the argument of yes. Can you imagine what the no argument is? Austerity, more austerity. Well, there's, more. well there's, there's two arguments. I don't think there's plenty of people on the no side that have, that have opposed austerity, of course. Plenty of Labour politicians who voted against it in Westminster um, uh, as well. Um, but th this is an issue, isn't it, of, 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 of sovereignty, of, of national governance, and, uh, as well as economics, uh, and as well as economics in difficult economic hit, uh, times. Uh, I just wonder if... Is there perhaps a presumption from the yes side that people on lower incomes are more likely to vote yes? Is there, is there polling that sort of supports that? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's also what we've been doing. Uh, we have been on the knocker. We've been doing registration. So these are people that, is it fair to say, that have been previously quite unlikely to vote in previous general elections and now being mobilised specifically by this referendum? I think, I think um, Tommy, if he was here, has you would have added to a something like 16 to 17,000 people that Tommy's spoken to in open meetings. I don't think there was any general election where 15,000 people have come to hear one speaker. That's excluding all the other debates from uh, Salmon, from Darling, from Jim Murphy, whatever. Actually, at the bottom of society, people have been turning out to church halls. They've been turning out to... Um, cinemas have been turning out to streets, standing at stalls, arguing the toss. So I think that there is a genuine Scottish uh, revival of democratic. People feel they've got a, an end to this. They've got a, they've got. They, they can genuinely make a huge difference one way or the other. But they, but it's <clears throat> obviously. If, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of whether a high turnout helps yes or helps no. Because if the polling suggests that no is ahead you might think that a high turnout would perhaps go against you. No, I think, I think um, a high poll is what I'm looking for and hoping for because when it comes to the yes, we need to have as many people voting for that and if it's a majority for that, then it'll, nobody will turn around and say, ah, nobody turned out, it's, it was too wet or whatever. I want people to genuinely debate and discuss and argue and then come out and vote. 
and I think that that's going to be healthy. Do you think this will definitely be the end of it either way, um, yes or no, that if we get a clear no vote by, say, you know, 5 or 10% or more, that the issue of Scottish independence will never be put to the people again? Or do you I think it could potentially... You know, in 10 years' time, we, we might be having another, refer another referendum. I think, according to Boris Johnston and other people, uh, this will put an end to it. But if somebody famously said, if you give them devolution, uh, that will put an end to the SNP. Well, that didn't work, did it? Um, so politicians constantly get it wrong, and they're going to get this wrong. Where, where the referendum might reappear is unknown. But can you imagine if uh, it's very close... Um, the yes vote um, it, it loses maybe but it will come up mm. because the fundamental reason that's driving the yes is about the unfairness in our society and if that unfairness continues then it will find an expression this time it's finding it's an expression in the referendum previously it was marches, demonstrations over the war uh, the Iraqi war, things like that million and a half marching in London there will be people defending the, the NHS, 50,000 in Manchester only um, six months, nine months ago. It will find an expression. People will not accept or continue to accept uh, the have-nots and the haves. I think that's true. I think there's, you know, there's always been opposition against um, you know, the poll tax, and Tommy was obviously a very famous campaigner against the poll tax, but it wasn't until another seven years later that the Tories were ousted from office. You know, there's been marches throughout history. Tony Blair had a, a million and a half, as you say, march against him. He still won the general election afterwards. These things don't always necessarily translate at the ballot box. Yeah. And I just wonder whether people do see this as a referendum on uh, austerity, on a Tory government, and whether actually people are just saying it simply as the debate that it is, that this is about whether Scotland should be self-governing and whether that is in Scotland's self-interest. You obviously think that it is, but the no side, uh, particularly on the economy, the debate is centred, hasn't it, on, on currency and on, and on jobs, that there's a fear that if Scotland leaves, even people who emotionally would love to... You know, self-determination really is something that I think we all support in principle, but for people living in Scotland, there's been a, a slight reluctance to vote yes, I think primarily because the fear of the unknown, of at the moment things, even with austerity, aren't too bad, why put a union of over 300 years that's worked at risk? Yeah, I, think, I think there is that. I, I, it would be dishonest to know, to know to be picking that up because sometimes when you're on the knocker, um, the door slams in your face. Um, so there's something going on behind that door. <laughs> um, you know, and it isn't he, isn't he friendly? Um, so, there, and, but there is other people who say no. I'm definitely, you know, usually somebody like me, an old codger. Um, you know, well, what about the war and all that thing? We saw off na the Nazis and that. Mm. And that's got to be recognised. This is not an abandonment of English people or or Welsh people. Th this is an opportunity to uh, break the consensus in, uh, among the people who are in the political classes. This is, this is, this is a, a smashing and... But Alex Salmond is still part of the political class, isn't he? I mean, he's a, he's a leading member of it. Yeah, and a very, probably in uh, Scottish terms, fairly conservative, uh, with a small c. Uh, what he wants is the Queen, you know, what he wants is to be in NATO. What he wants is the pound when I want the Bobby. You know, no, no. It's, it's strange how people are saying that uh, they want to protect a pound in my pocket. I've not got very many pounds in my pocket, so it's not much to defend, you know, and people in my area uh, probably have very, very few uh, pounds in their pocket. 
but get very, sometimes they get very passionate about it. No, I think that there is um, certainly all that mixture um, in the debate and, and the argument. But I think fundamentally when people look and see what the yes side has been putting forward, now it might be full of dreams and hopes and vision, but just imagine, we had a march of 35,000 march through Edinburgh up to the Calton Hill. On the 15th, there will be a march for the no side, mm. and it will be called the Orange Order. <laughs> it's a bit strange to find um, such a bigoted organisation um, that people will say, oh, that's the future. The future, I think, is about dealing with the unfairness in society. And I think that as a, an anti-bedroom tax campaigner and somebody who was prominent in the negotiations with the, with the government, Scottish government and the local councils, we have eradicated the bedroom tax here. £50 million has been found to eradicate it now. Well, then some people say, you don't need to go independent then. Well, if we carry on like this, we'll, we'll get to somewhere <laughs> where I want to get to. My first, my first love is the independence, right? I have never been a nationalist. I'm an internationalist. I had um, people over from Ukraine, from the left opposition, who are opposed to Russia, opposed to the West, and want Ukraine to be neutral and want to be uh, united. And for that, to, to them to deal with the people who have seized all their assets in the, in the shake-up over, over the demise of the Soviet Union. So I've always been that, that case. Um, but I do believe that this is a, an expression of the breakup of the British state. And if it's just purely and simply that we never go to war again, an illegal war, then we can give to the rest of the world something positive. And if it means that we've got less money in our pocket, well, that's a gift that I want to, want to be able to, to give. I want people to be looking at the world in a different way. And I think that the yes will and the opportunity for independence at least gives that chance. Is there not a flip side to that argument, then? It's, it's one that I think is very um, seductive, that a lot of people would, would, would agree with. I think most people are against the Iraq war. Is there not a, a flip side to that, which is actually Britain's role in the world as a, as a leading democracy, with Scotland and England and Wales together, as a defender of what we would probably call against, you know, the, the sort of values that we're seeing now spread across the Middle East? Uh, and through, through, horse, uh, through Trojan horse campaigns in Birmingham, radical Islam, which is a big threat to the British state. <laughs> if Scotland breaks away, Britain's role in the world, on the, on the Security Council, for instance, potentially in jeopardy, the values, the liberal values that we're so proud of that helped defeat the Nazis, that helped in some part thwart Al-Qaeda, <clears throat> those values are then removed from the international stage. America is more powerful, Russia is more powerful, and actually, in the long term, the values you really care about are put at threat. But if you look and see what the consequences of all these things are uh, across the Middle East, has it actually uh, produced democracy? Has, has the billions that were put into the Iraqi army um, and, the, and the super training of British uh, high-class trainers, American special forces went in there, taught them how to do everything, march up and down in a straight line and do everything correct, the problem is that the first indicator that they might get hurt and, defend, and in defending their country, they, 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 they handed over their weapons or they took their uniforms off and whatever. There's no indication that unless you trust the people, that you allow people to get involved in, in true democracy, mm. don't support some other warlord or some other 
you know, charlatan because they happen to be our dictator rather than a dictator. Well, we tried to give, obviously, uh, you know, Iraq uh, had UN-backed democracy, had a higher turnout at its general election in, than we did in 2005. Afghanistan uh, is moving towards proper democracy. Um, so this isn't about necessarily supporting and arming people in the way that we used to, although I fear that might happen in, uh, in Iraq now. Um, I just, my fear is that we, we, lessen our, we lessen our impact as a country of, and I would say England and Scotland together, of, of sound liberal international values, our influence in the world would be greatly diminished if Scotland left. And actually, you might, at some point in the future, whether it's an Adolf Hitler or some un yet unknown tyrant, be in a situation where you're incapable of fighting the forces of fascism on the continent or elsewhere. No, I think, I think if um, Pallet gets his way, he'll still be in NATO. Um, uh, so so that, that doesn't stack up. And also, um, unity against dictators, unity against any kind of threat would actually be part of how that would happen. The, it, there is no way that Scotland and England, Wales and, and, and Ireland, if somebody was um, on the beaches of France ready to invade us, we would say, oh, no, it's nothing to do with us. <laughs> You're on your own. Um, we, you know, that ain't going to happen. That's not the real politique. What actually happened is we'll judge it. And, and since we want to... Somebody said that um, as far as the Scottish defence um, force will be, you know, we'll be handing out flowers and, uh, you know, uh, t teaching people how to knit and, uh, you know, that, all those nice things rather than poking them with a bayonet as we have done for three, four hundred years, um, you know. And so, therefore, I think that when it comes to that whole question, I think that we, we in Scotland will know the right thing to do. And if it's to unite with people who we share uh, values with and whatever, there's nobody in England that doesn't share, you know, an electrician as, a, as well as a cab driver. Uh, I try to keep my options open. Um, you know, well, well in, I'm for electricians in Birmingham and Manchester and plumbers and unemployed and whatever. So the question for us is to be an inspiration. It's to be something different for your austerity and a market-driven economy and whatever. We might not go very far in that, but we'll go far enough for people to say we want a bite of, bite of that. It's not a danger, actually, that you, you, you might create conditions that would, would, that would lead to further, if not austerity, then, then economic woe. Uh, and austerity in the long term. You know, if you cut yourself off from uh, the, the amount of public funding that is received uh, from Westminster, which is per head higher than any other part of the UK through the Barnet formula, you cut, you cut that off. You then got to potentially raise taxes on your own people in order to uh, meet that, that funding shortfall. And if you don't, you know, if you don't put the taxes up, then the, the money's going to drop and you're going to have to find the money from elsewhere, i.e. job losses. You know, it's a difficult economic conundrum. Why is putting taxes up to the level that Thatcher had a problem. What we've done in the last... Because major employers no. have said, you know, if Scotland goes independent and taxes go up, we will leave them. And we know that these people will. Then we'll uh, build new industries. But, uh, but is, state, what, not, would the state do that? No, no. From the, public money? No, I think that people will come because we're a highly skilled, intelligent, educated, and we will do that. We're the only part of Britain right now that pe pays people young people to learn. In England, you actually charge people to learn. But the right. major problem with that is, is that Scottish universities are falling behind because they haven't got enough money coming in and it's creating... Oh. But, it, but, but this is what, the, this is what oh. various organisations are saying, that and Scottish universities themselves are saying, we need more money, we're falling behind. So, this is, is this in a sense, is the politics of fear.
And I think that this is what's been dogging the no campaign. They can't get out of anything but negativity. And the problem I think they're looking for is looking for any other uh, reason to, to say, if you do this, you're too poor, you're too wee, and you're too stupid. This isn't what Scotland's about. This, Scotland can be an inspiration to the rest of the world. And that's where I think we need to be looking to the resources. You know, somebody said something about, oh, the oil's running out. Well, for the first barrel it was running out, right? <laughs> the problem is that uh, it's got a long way to go. <laughs> you know, it has went a long way, uh, or it's been in the past. You know, I think there's something like 300 billion. Uh, but you would want to restructure the economy, wouldn't you? You wouldn't want to be solely dependent on oil. No, we won't be solely... Or overly reliant on it. No, I don't think so. I, th I think that in, in terms of food and drink, uh, and brew and, and whiskey, <laughs> and, and that, you know, I see everybody... Tunnock. My tunnock's kit. <laughs> that's, that's really a strange thing. I hate the tunnock's <laughs> Anyway... Uh, no, no, it's no, going to cost I you votes, mate. That's what's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> that was what lost it. My words. Tunnock gate. We've seen them on YouTube... <laughs> He shouldn't have said that. <laughs> that bloody Alex Salmon, that Willie Black, caused, caused us to lose the bloody election. Uh, especially among the Tunnock's uh, caramel waiver workers, uh, through who, who I was trying to diss. Actually, I think that what, what we will have is tremendous... Uh, I'm not saying that uh, Grand uh, Theft Auto is the greatest export that we've got, but it's an illustration or the, the gaming yeah. um, and electronics business, which can raise uh, billions. But I also think that what we're talking about is utilising, and if it means raising tax, then we'll have to raise tax. That um, we have to... I, I worked in Scottish Power, and uh, the person who ran the whole of the national grid in, in, at the time of nationalisation was on about 140,000. I was on about 10,000. But it was a bad proportional thing, but nevertheless we could live with it. He and others built the national electri uh, electricity system. You know, Milton Keynes, all that kind of stuff. When we were privatised, we went to 14 companies, and I happened to be at one of those team briefings that all these big corporations love, you know. Bring people into a room and then, then listen to a, a, a video. I happened to have the audacity to stand up, as I did with Ian Duncan Smith, and I said to the chair, uh, the, the chairman of the company, I said, how come when we were one company, the head of the, uh, the, the national grid was on 140,000, and you're now on a uh, a one million and a half? He went, um, it, wasn't, it was me that decided that. I said, well, who decided it? He says, well, there was a panel of four. I said, well, I'll get four of my mates to come in and tell you that, that, you know, that I'm worth much more. That was 14 companies were paying their chief executive a million and a half. On whose watch did that happen? 15 years of labour, and there was no address in that problem. But do you think that problem would be addressed under independence? It will be partially um, addressed, but it will require people in England to cotton on that they don't need to accept what's happening to them. I just don't think there's... A, I think a lot of people would agree with you that energy companies charge too much and that the profits are too severe and that the, the bonuses and the, even the salaries for the bosses are too high. I don't get the sense in England, or maybe even in Scotland, that there's a great appetite for renationalisation of, of utilities. No, it's not got an expression on the streets, but it's certainly in every opinion poll. And if we were to believe the opinion poll, no's going to win, right? 
Um, that ain't going to happen. What actually happening is that most people will want public services like electricity, gas, water, railways to be private. Uh, but it's be, something that you can have in charge. You buy your own emission is quite a conservative, small c conservative, albeit politician. Well, Alex Salmon said we're going to renationalise Royal Mail. Well, that's a start. That's a start. Right? <laughs> we're holding of some sort. The, the, the issue is that it, this is not about Alex Salmon. It has tended to be because of the, the big debates that are got the, the one there and, and they did reasonably badly. Huh? Um, but nevertheless, at the second debate, the question for us is that politicians come and go. Mm. The question is what kind of consensus, what kind of Scotland are we trying to build? And right now, the vote, if it goes yes, is for progressive policies, is for uh, more fair policies is for addressing some of the inequalities that exist in this city. You know, I come from an estate which is at the margins <coughs> of the, of the uh, Wester Hills, Craig Miller, Pilton, where I come from, right? Bought my leith. This is the, one of the richest uh, cities in the world. Mm. And yet, nobody's challenging that. Nobody's saying it's wrong for people to keep grabbing more and more of the share. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. But some of the most progressive policies we've seen from the UK have, have, have come from Westminster, the National Health Service, the minimum wage, the welfare state. Yeah. Or comprehensive education. You know, yeah. this idea that sort of Scotland's this home of progressive uh, politics and England's this sort of, you know, uh, chain around the, the neck... Isn't, a, isn't really a fair representation, is it, of, of good left-wing progressive politics that have come out of England as well? I think there's a majority in England that once it's shaken up, and if it was, was mobilised like we have over this referendum, and people would then ask the question, what do you want? Then it would be starting to challenge the kind of views that are being expressed in Westminster. I actually don't think... See, people say, if you didn't send Labour MPs and they're, they're, they're wee hairy Scotsmen um, and they, they can up, get up and jump, if we had a general election, every general election that Labour has won, it has not required one more Labour MP. So far. But so we're living far. in very, very close times, aren't we? You know, the next election could be 20 or 30 seats either way. It could be crucial. No, it would. It, well, that's for English people to decide from themselves what they want. And sometimes uh, people have, well, people have voted for Thatcher. Uh, and, and but, but most English people didn't. 
she was the leader of the Nazi party, but even, yeah, 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 even at the height of Thatcher, yeah, she was the most right, dangerous in people. in the north, or even in uh, Hackney, or some parts of, of, of the city of London, the haves and the have-nots exist. Mm. There is not a north-south uh, divide as far as we're concerned. But what's actually happening is since uh, when Thatcher got elected and the poll, the poll tax came in, and we were experimenting on for the first time, there began to be an, a feeling in, the, in the, the country, a consensus was forming. We moved from, 50, in, in 1955, the, vast, the majority of all people who voted in Scotland voted Tory. We had unionists, mm. uh, Conservative unionists, right, yeah. MPs, by the bucket load. What then happened is they gradually warmed down. And as I say in the, in the video, um, when I attacked him in Duncan Smith verbally, um, what happened is we've got more pandas than we have Tory MPs. <laughs> and we've only got one Tory MP. Well, what, how, how did that happen? Why is it not in Scotland an expression like that, that Tories are getting voted in all over the country? That's not happening. So there is um, social democratic politics in the shape of Labour, in the shape of SNP, Darlin and Salmond, you could get, hardly get a, a cigarette paper down the middle when it comes to social policy. They are they for their reasons. And can you imagine, they've, they've worked really hard, MPs, to become MPs. And here's these swines for Scotland going to upset the apple cart by saying, come back to Scotland, we've got a, a job for you in the refuge. You know, they're, they're fighting hard. And we know the MPs always fight hard for their self-interest. We see that from Labour and, and the Tories, right? I mean, the latest one to, that wants to uh, ditch and get out here is because he can't afford uh, to live on the salary, though he apparently has bought a, big, a huge big house. So he must have got the money for somewhere. And he's got like 200,000. Well, the vast majority of people in this country are on about sixteen to 17,000. So somebody can't live on 200,000. Well, 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 that's values. one extreme example, isn't it, of a Tory MP on a minister's wage who's you know, moaning about his money. Um, most MPs well, actually have, have, are too scared to give themselves a pay rise, aren't they? Which is why you know, IPSA and various other independent bodies are trying to force MPs to get themselves up to about 100 grand and they don't dare because of the, you know, the public opprobrium that they get. They might want it, they don't dare give it themselves. Well, they just call the four guys in that gave that, <laughs> that chair and, and, and they say, it wasn't me, it was him over there. How do you right? feel then when you, when you... Because I get the sense that you're not a natural ally of Alex Salmond apart from on the issue of independence. How do you feel then when he's the champion of the cause that you currently, you know, is, is very much the, the sort of driving force in your politics and you watch him debate against Alistair Darling? Do you ever feel slightly uneasy that you're on the same side as Alex Salmond? Yep. <laughs> uh, well, that, that's, that's, the, that's the unity um, of purpose. The question is, I'm, I'm involved in the radical independence campaign, and uh, we've been doing a lot of street stuff, um, and that's different from being in the press. And so, therefore, what we wanted to do is to drive into the working-class areas, uh, not drive in with my cab, uh, you know, just open my door and just walk about. Uh, that basically what's going to happen is that we've been on the knocker, we've been doing uh, registration with young people. I've been into lots of different schools and took part in some of the debates and discussions and actually um, took part in uh, registration. And uh, on, in an average street, we might get 
half a dozen, a dozen people registered that were previously non-voters. Now, they, that's no anything to do with yes or no. It is to do with, um, we believe that, that they, if they go to the polls, they will express a class view. They will judge it on what's in their interest. And I think that that will reflect itself in the yes. But isn't this a, this is a classic problem of the left, isn't it? And I've been through this myself, and I used to be a member of the Socialist Worker Party, and I just think, I know working-class people need to be left-wing, and they should be left-wing. And then the more you go through life, you realise that the people who, you know, arguably should be left-wing often are the least left-wing people in any poll of the working class, certainly in England, as well as be the most right-wing class uh, in the country. There's a slight paradox there, isn't there? Um, on the left, and it's something that's very challenging to left-wing people, is how do you get the people that you think need that ideology most to actually realise it? Is there, might, could there be potentially a similar problem with the referendum, that you, you, know, you really believe that yes would be better for these people, actually, you might sign them up and they might go and vote no? That's democracy. <laughs> the swings. Well, once we get the yes, we'll cancel that. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be the next dictator, Tommy. Just... It's just a, uh, I, I trust people. I think that um, people um, will generally have a view that's mixed up, that's, that's maybe slightly racist, soft racist and whatever, um, you know. But I think most people just want a decent life, a decent, a decent world. Mm. You see that, you know, myself and my grandchildren took... Uh, um, toys along to one of the local community shops that were collecting toys for Gaza, right? And now we were the first, right, as you would expect, uh, but they've now got a container full of toys. Excellent. That's in a working class area, right? It's not got very much going for it, but actually people respond. And uh, so I've got a great deal of um, hope, for the, hope for the future. It's it hope, not fear, not fear. But near hope. Indeed. Uh, the big, I mean, the defining debate that has been around currency, hasn't it, about keeping the pound, and you've said that uh, you, maybe you're sort of open to not keeping the pound. Um, Alex Hammond certainly wants to, and the official yes line is certainly that Scotland will. It seems like the Westminster parties are saying that, um, no, they won't, you won't be able to keep the pound. The Bank of England seems to be saying you won't be able to keep the pound. Do you worry that Alex Hammond hasn't had a, a plan B, if you like, to say, well, if we don't keep the pound, we'll do this? I think the plan B is to keep the pound. I think that what's happened is that uh, the governor sort of spilt the beans a bit. He was a bit up upset with John Swinney for saying we've had talks. And of course he came out right away and said, oh, no, no, it was just technical talks. Yeah. Uh, they have a plan B. For us on this side, to be honest, if, if the pound was kept and it created a, a little bit of stability, like no scaring the horses, uh, then I wouldn't be crying over that. I would rather that we had our own currency, but the debate and discussion among the yes ha hasn't really dealt with that. And I think it's a mistake. It's mm. a mistake not to say that in an independent country it uh, would be possible. But just to say that, I have to say that, um, in, in Ireland, uh, at the time of the, of the, in the, the fight for independence, mm. which was a violent fight, British troops fought there, people died there, don't think anybody's dying, except for me, uh, <laughs> in this room. Um, that what happened is the Republic of Ireland kept the pound, though it had fought the British to, to create its independence, and they kept the, they kept the pound 
for nine years after or even well more. yeah and, and, and in more recent times joined the euro and that's been a big issue hasn't it that Alex Hammond said he'd like Scotland to join the EU if he does we all know the conditions of entry you have to join the you have to join the euro you, you have to join the euro as a new you do they're absolutely clear new member states have to join the euro Scotland will be a new the situation has never started we don't know for fact it's never happened it's absolutely clear new member states clear. you're wrong all new member states have to join the euro we're already in the union we're not a new member state. Scotland would be treated as a new member state it would have to you join do the euro you don't know that Fake. there's no need to point Fake. at me and talk like that you do not know that sorry. I do know it because the EU have said it. It's been absolutely clear. New member states have to join the euro. This is non-negotiable. You might want to not admit it. The problem is that's the case. So you are incorrect. Well, I'm not. It's the, it's, these are the facts. Everyone knows that the conditions of entry are that you join the euro. That's absolutely clear. New member states have to join the euro. All new member states have had to join it, have they not? That, that might, that, uh, I would, well, they have. I, would, I mean, I would have to concede. Of course, it would, it would be a new right. member state. No, it, it, would be, it would be a new member state, and it might be that uh, one of the conditions would be uh, that the euro uh, was, was the, the currency. But, uh, but that is not the issue. The issue really is that we will keep the pound for as long as, as it's the, the desire and the will of the Scottish people. The question of how we would uh, balance that up over a period of time, that's, that, that is the, that's what happens in the negotiations. Alex Salmond cannot go into the negotiations and say anything else but we'll keep the pound. Because the markets, the people who, who would cause some of the issues, need to, to, to be calmed down, right? And part of the cabinet doing is to, is to have some stability, to have some stability. But isn't that the problem is that people get the sense that he's saying it, he doesn't mean it, and that that's, that's causing a problem. Oh, well, I think Alex And people Trump are clear, you know, you, you will have to join the Unfortunately, he you. does mean it. Uh, he does want to keep the pound. It's more uh, for Alec, um, the, the question of independence, uh, when she start dropping things, it becomes an issue of, um, is that independence? You know, uh, mm. but I think that what, what is it's a process... And I think for me, it's no question of the, 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 the split between um, England and, and Wales and Ireland and Scotland. It's a question of the breaking off of that <coughs> British state and making sure that, the, that we challenge austerity by example. And if we have to make decisions which are hurtful um, in, in the short term to be able to provide a much fairer, more equal society then what we've had is 30 years of the opposite direction. And nobody, nobody has said that that was bad in strong enough language. Now we have a strong voice to say that we're not having that. And if the mistake is made, then it will be our mistake that we'll uh, decide to, to make these mistakes. We'll have the right to fail. At the moment... We didn't have any right. For 30 years, we've systematically voted away the Westminster politics. And yet it's never had its voice and its expression. But is, is this not similar to you know, the sort of things that UKIP say about Europe, when it's all seen as a foreign land and actually Scotland sends people to Westminster, it's contributed uh, two out of the last four prime ministers have been Scottish, Blair and Brown. Um, two of the last three, uh, in fact. Um, and people like John Smith and notable huge politicians from Scotland having a massive say, having a disproportionate say due to the West Lothian question where Scottish MPs can vote on matters that affect English constituencies and we can't do it the other way around. Scotland gets a, a, a very good deal out of democracy at Westminster, has a huge say, 
And there has been progress in Scotland. You know, the, the idea that Scotland has gone backward while England has gone forward doesn't seem, you know, under Labour they had massive amounts of extra public funding, they had a minimum wage, there was huge social change for the better in Scotland over the last 30 years. I think there's been some policies that looked on the face of it, looked like it was possible to say the minimum wage, for instance, and I've heard uh, Gordon Brown um, uh, go on about this, that they created some... See, the words that now people use are a bit confusing. See, they say that we've had reforms when we've had massive cuts. Duncan Smith, Ian Duncan Smith, calls his welfare cuts reforms. It seems a bit strange for those people we, we on the, the left used to sneer at and say they're reformists <laughs> because they want to slowly bring socialism in. You know, one day we'll wake up and there it will be on a big silver platter. Uh, look at us, we've passed it. Oh, sorry, you were sleeping. Actually, what's happened is that people like Ian Duncan Smith have stolen our words, right? And really, the minimum wage has been, for many people who are locked into that minimum wage, a disaster. Unfortunately, my, my daughter is um, waiting to go into uh, college. She goes after she comes from Zante. She's away to Zante. <laughs> I've been there. Oh, Jesus. Uh, uh, we've had... We've had sleepless nights over this. But, but she has as well. Yeah. <laughs> she will have sleepless nights. Uh, we've got some tickets. We're going over there and just hide behind the bushes. Um, really, as a socialist, I'm a bad parent. Um, but what, what, in a sense, what um, has, has been happening is they've stolen a, a, the words or reforms, etc., etc., and now we're in a situation where... We need to prove... Now, I don't believe in England that the vast majority of people are having a great life. I think they're, they're like us. We're all Jock Tamsin's parents, and we're all in the grubber. The question is that we have a small stick to beat back and to show by example. And I will be in, on a Palestinian demonstration in London, right? I will be... Uh, in solidarity through my union, Unite, I will have U uh, uh, Ukraine speakers going right throughout Britain. There is no border for me in my international perspective. What we've got is an opportunity by using the Scottish Parliament after uh, the election, sorry, after the election in 2016, we will need to send as many yes to put, to put the position or the negotiated position as strongly as possible. This is what actually happened with Sinn Féin when they, mm. when they won the, the, the independence war uh, in Ireland. They came from nothing to massive, and that helped them in the negotiations, possibly even to keep the pound. Uh, I'd like to uh, open up the floor now. So if you just have the house, uh, house lights, so if you raise your hand, if you can ask for succinct questions, please, and, and equally succinct answers, and we'll try and get around as many people. I'll have to re uh, repeat your question, which will become quite tedious, but we're recording it for the podcast, so I'm just keen that people who, uh, who are downloading it can hear it. So, uh, any hands in the end? I'll take them. Yes, the, the gentleman just there, what's your name? My name's Ian Shaw, and I really want to welcome the, the, the conversation we've been having so far. My question really is about relative wealth within a country and about the social ills that that creates. For example, um, in Britain and the USA, with a massive difference in relative wealth, there's increased obesity, uh, 
It's a sync to him, please. Spirit level, which was written by Peter Williamson and others. I don't know if you know that book. Do you know that book? Is that the question? Do you know the book, The Spirit? That one. So about relative wealth. Fairness, and that I just wanted to hear what. Well, and presumably whether it would be better under an independent Scotland. So would independence deliver uh, a, a, a less, of a, less of a gap in inequality? That's correct. <laughs> oh, that meetings where four or five people then, then come in. Uh, it, it does help to flow. I think that um, anything that anybody who's written anything um, about showing how unfair society is, as far as I'm concerned, uh, gets, gets my support. I went to a meeting just recently and uh, uh, the main speaker was from Oxfam um, and she did a devastating critique on how people, she showed how the gap has widened and it has not made any difference whether it was Tory or Labour. Actually, uh, from uh, 30 years ago, uh, from now, this is how the wealth has went. So. We also need policies that protect our environment and, uh, and look at the future um, of how the planet is and, and, and the rest. So that needs challenges to how we uh, create industries, what kind of industries, how we run these industries, or else we're not going to have um, any, anything future for my grandchildren and for my, my family and for your family. So I think that what we've got is an opportunity to have the renewables, for instance, uh, tested in, in Scottish, Scotland, uh, because of the way that we've got uh, a monopoly over, uh, I think we've got 25% of all possible uh, energy uh, from wind and wave. If we did that, we would show the rest of the world that we didn't need uh, the kind of oil, uh, gas type of power stations, etc if we can overcome some of the technical problems. So I think that that's the, the type of way and direction we can go. And Sam is often attacked, and the Scottish Government's often attacked, for actually trying to, to make that happen. And for me, that's a, that's a positive, uh, among all the negatives, uh, if I was to look at Alex Salmon in, in isolation. <laughs> uh, any other questions? Yes, the gentleman there. What's your name, sir? Uh, Richard. Richard, and what's your question, please? Is it not better for us, rather to concentrate on isolating Scotland and thinking about the debate, to just changing fundamentally the democratic process of Westminster and retaining the, the strength that we get of uh, the United Kingdom? So would it not be better to change what and move to, say, proportional representation? Is that what you mean? That all, you know, perhaps not a party political process, you know, an individual um, independent process. Inside a resident, inside of Westminster, where you get people who actually can do the job, as opposed to following the party line, which I think is what happens across Labour, Conservative, whoever we get. Right, this has gone big. So you, 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 <laughs> you, 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 you want to sort of there's no jokes in this one. <laughs> you want to transform Westminster completely? Yeah, why not? That, that seems to be the issue. Is that there's a fundamental? Yeah, but people vote for people vote for parties. You see, only about forty or fifty-five percent, sixty percent of people vote for. People. We're not engaged as a political. Um, so, but do you think if we, if we, so what you're saying is just an entirely new type of politics would reinvigorate all parts of the country. Yeah. Do you agree? Yeah, I think I think uh, we need to have proportional um, basis for for electing, so as to shake it up. I think the, the election of the Greens 
um, in particular. Have, what about you, Kip? They're an expression of anger, I think. Uh, you know, it's interesting to, to when you meet uh, UKIP people, they have got all, a whole range of things. That Some of that, that I would agree, and some of them, obviously, mm. I, I don't. Uh, but the danger is, unless you get people engaged in the, in the process, then you will get UKIP. You know, UKIP and Conservative um, government would be... Well, that would be scary, wouldn't it? What, what a heck of a coalition that would be. That well, that'd be. You, um, well, I mean, I suppose you keep on, in terms of the independence debate, are probably slightly torn. Because they've, they've got an MEP up here now. <laughs> We've run out of time. Um, but the debate will continue on Twitter, and I'm sure in the bar afterwards. Um, we're doing another one. I've got my solo stand-up show uh, in the afternoons at half two in the Pleasance Courtyard. On Wednesday, uh, I'm also doing a, a debate in a similar manner in the Pleasance with Jim Murphy, and I'll be asking him some similar questions about the No campaign. He'll be funny. <laughs> I don't think he'll be as funny as you. Um, but it's, it's been a pleasure, Willie, and you know your passion. And even even though I, I dare say that we disagree, I, I think we can all agree on this: that hearing someone speak with such passion and with such heart about what the future of any country should be is deeply inspirational. Uh, Willie, you're, you're an absolute legend. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for coming. Please, a massive round of applause for my guest, Mr. Willie Black. Thank you very much. Yeah, Willie Black there. What an absolute gentleman. <laughs> it's quite funny. A couple of the people. There was one chap in there, you'd have heard, uh, in total denial about the fact that if Scotland was to reapply to join the uh, European Union as a new member state, we'd have to adopt the euro. I don't know many people that uh, disagree with that. You know, people at the EU have been uh, very clear. I mean, I think even members of the SNP uh, really would accept that that would be uh, a condition of membership. Um, but Willie was an absolute gent. Um, the next one features... Jim Murphy, the Shadow Secretary of State for International Development and leading member of the No Campaign. So, yeah, download that. <laughs> Finished speaking before the podcast was over. Um, yes, and thanks to everyone who came to them and has come to see my uh, solo show in Edinburgh. Um, we'll be back at the St James's Theatre in September. I'm also doing a very special one at the Labour Party conference with John Prescott. That'll be podcasted as well. Um, but for now, this was the first of two special independence debates, and the second will follow soon. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.